we all go through that, right? Where it's like, ah, oh, I'll just do it. It's easier than trying to bring someone up to speed or trying to teach them how I do it. But the entrepreneur hires people who are better at those tasks than he or she is and lets them just do their thing. You'll come across someone who will do a much better job than you could ever do. Hey there, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. The journey from freelancing to running your own agency comes with its own unique set of challenges. Challenges that Clay and I have both faced while building our own successful businesses. And on this show, we sit down with freelancers and agency builders like you for value-packed on-air coaching sessions with one focus. Taking your business from freelance to founder. We'd love to have you join us on the air for an upcoming episode. To learn how to get your free coaching sessions like the guests you hear on our show, visit freelance2founder.com and click on the microphone icon. We are here and ready to help you take action in your business. On today's show, we sit down with a personal friend of mine, Bobby Macy. He's the founder of Macy Media. After side hustling through a series of frustrating layoffs, Bobby finally decided to take matters into his own hands and he started his content agency. He's doing a lot of things right and his business is growing fast. But Bobby still finds himself doing a lot of the client work he books, leaving it with late nights on his laptop and a work-life balance that's a bit uneven. In today's show, Clay and I share exactly what we've learned about work-life balance, and we help Bobby answer important questions about when to hire and who to hire. It's one of my favorite conversations on the show to date, and it starts right after this quick message from our sponsors. Whether you want to travel more or communicate better with international clients, you need to try Babbel. I've used Babbel's courses and you can do the same in order to learn real life conversation skills in a different language, order food, ask for directions, or speak to clients without having to use translation apps. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription. This is only for our listeners at babbel.com slash freelance. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash freelance, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L.com slash freelance. Rules and restrictions apply. Well, we are here today with Bobby Macy, a good friend of mine. Uh, incredibly excited to have you here, Bobby, joining us on the show. Thank you so much for being here, man. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. This is going to be awesome. For sure. Obviously, here on the air with me as well is Clay Mosley. Hi, Clay. Hey, how's it going? Great. We're going to dive in and learn a little bit about Bobby's business today and then jump into some of the hurdles that he's facing as always. Bobby, why don't you start off by telling us what kind of work you do and what your business looks like right now? Yeah, thank you. So I decided to launch Macy Media and Macy's my last name. So it was just really simple. And, and I'm a content guy, right? I'm your kind of marketing generalist, but the one core common denominator with everything that I do is content driven. And so I, I write copy, I do video production, I take photos. I've kind of found myself in this world where I do it all. So my only niche is now content, even though I go into all the different spaces. And so now I find myself servicing clients mainly through video production and teaching them how to create and scale content for their business. So you're helping clients really um, do a more sort of professional DIY version of content creation as opposed to creating all their content for them. Am I understanding that right? Yes, that's exactly it. Because I find myself, I like to be kind of the teacher, right? But I don't have the bandwidth as just one man to ultimately fulfill all of their content needs. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. Depends on the level of their business, right? But for me, I really like to teach them and get them doing some of this themselves. And then they rely on me for the consulting aspect and kind of the next level content. So what is that? Is that through like courses or how, how are you delivering that? So uh, interestingly enough, I'm about to launch two courses. Uh, but right now, how I've been delivering that is one-on-one -on -one consulting with people. And then um, we will ultimately decide on what the deliverables are. Right. And then usually there's some method where I'm doing some one-on-one -on -one coaching with them. And so when you say you don't have the bandwidth, I'd like to hear more about that because, and maybe I'm jumping the gun here on hurdles that you face, but like the bandwidth issue, you say you don't have the bandwidth to do all of their content. What does, tell me why. So some of what I take on is 
stuff that I actually don't have the skill sets to do, right? And so then I go and I actually find contractors to do that. Here's a perfect example. I just took on a $5,000 WordPress site build and I'm creating all of the content. There are 14 pages of content that we agreed to. Um, and ultimately I'm, I'm writing all of that content and I'm, I'm contracting out the development side of that. Right. And so that's something where if I'm the one stop shop and I'm literally trying to do it all, I'm going to spend so much time just trying to up my development skills. And, and that's just not worth it for me. I actually don't enjoy development work that much anyway. And so for me, learning how to code is not what I want to do right now, even though I recognize it as a valuable skill. For me, I'm going to contract that out. And that's kind of how I see myself growing my business. But it's also one of those things where cash flow is an issue, right? And you want to keep as much of that money in your business as you can. So trying to, trying to find that right balance of outsourcing versus doing it myself uh, can be tricky. Yeah, most definitely. And I told you, Clay, that you were going to like this guy because he thinks about some of these things in the same ways that you and I do, where it's like, you know, taking, like, I love some of the things he's said so far, taking on projects that he doesn't actually have the skills to, to handle or, um, or taking on projects that maybe he doesn't have the bandwidth for because he understands that his job is actually, although he is a great content creator, um, and he has lots of talent in some of those areas. His job actually is as an entrepreneur is to build the systems that make the work happen, not to always be doing the work 100%. Yeah, this is, a, <laughs> this is an all too familiar game uh, for me. Uh, so it sounds like you might be a little bit of a salesperson too. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I am the type of person where if I see the opportunity to sell something, I take it. And then I figure out how to make it work. And I've done that several times in the past and it's worked. Uh, there's, you know, there's a always a couple of times where I've crashed and burned, but that's going to, that's going to come. But, uh, I 100% understand, uh, <laughs> taking on something, uh, saying yes now, and then just trying to figure that out. Well, it's nice to know I'm not the only one. Right. And, and part of the reason why I do that is because I've worked with people like Preston who I've seen manage their time efficiently. And they know that they just don't have time to do everything, even if they can do everything. And, and that's where I've struggled in the past. And that's the past Bobby that Preston knows. And the Bobby that Preston knows now, and that you're getting to know, Clay, is, is a shift in that type of thinking over the past several years, really. And um, ultimately, now I'm to the point where I'm like, look, I want to I spend time with my family. Like, what can I offer as a service whether I have to mark it up, what can I offer that is compelling to people so that I can get that client, bring them in. And if I have to outsource some, great. Because honestly, I don't want to be in the trenches all the time every day. Like I don't want to work 80 hour work weeks. I want to be spending time with the family and doing some other things while still managing the business. Yeah, that makes, that makes total sense. Um, that is a very, so that, 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 that's actually a common thing among entrepreneurs, not just uh, us creatives, um, is, okay, spending time with family or doing this, these other personal things um, or, uh, and or running a business. And it's, that is a constant juggle. Um, and that is, I mean, I have my two cents on that topic. Uh, I'm sure Preston does too. And this is, I actually love this topic because it is something that's very debatable and controversial, I think, uh, among entrepreneurs is the uh, spending time with family or how to manage the business at the same time. I sort of see it as uh, th there, are, there are certainly different kinds of entrepreneurs, right? There are some who believe that you hustle now, you put in the 80 hour weeks now and you hustle, hustle, hustle as hard as you can, sacrificing other things potentially personal life, family life, whatever it might be, hobbies, and you go all in, um, in hopes for a big exit that then lets you sort of live the dream life after that. For me, that's a little bit too much like a day job, right? Like you, you work for 65 years and then uh, you retire and then you can finally start living. I'm, I'm more in the camp of lifestyle businesses where you sort of build a business that supports the kind of lifestyle that you want to live. I'm a lot like Bobby. I, I want to be spending time with my wife and my kids and doing hobbies and um, not necessarily working hundred hour weeks, 
uh, frankly, I don't even work a 40 hour week because I, I, I like to balance sort of other things in my life with work. So, but, but I don't know that there's necessarily one that's right or wrong. Like you say, Clay, it is a highly debated topic. I don't know where you land in, in the, in the argument there, but I mean, what, what do you think about it? Uh, so it's funny. Everybody talks about work-life balance. Um, I personally don't think that there, there, a balance exists. Um, I, I think, and what I mean by that is, is that, uh, I, I think trying to separate those things out, uh, is way more difficult than just trying to integrate the two. So like I, I love that. the the way I, uh, do mine is like, I, I don't completely separate them out. Like, so again, like what you said is you have the nine to five, like day job, um, then you, you five o'clock hits and then all of a sudden personal life, right. It, it, it hits, right. And you do, you shut off work, your work mind, and then you go into your, your personal, uh, mind. Right. Um, I am the way I do it is I, I think, how can I take my personal life and work life and just integrate the two together to work together? Yeah. Um, to me, that has been way easier than trying to turn one off and the other one on and, and switch them back and forth. And so that's kind of the way I look at it. Plus, it's like, you know, I hear all the time, I, I consult for a lot of, a lot of people um, and they always say, Oh, I want, I want my business to, I want to be making half a million dollars a year, but I also want to work 25 hour weeks. And I'm like, I don't know that you can do both, right? At least not until you scale the business to the point where it's self-sustaining, where other people are running it. Right. If you want to, if you want to run it, but, but not in, you know, six months time or something, right? That, right. I think that's the other element of the equation that people don't consider is like, if you want to get to those kinds of numbers and, and working on it that little, you're going to need more time because yeah, you're going to have to hire people, build systems, build in those processes. Mm-hmm. It's going to take a bit, bit longer. Yeah. So Bobby, I think this, this kind of goes into what you're talking about um, where it's like, you know, you, you want to spend more time with family or spend time with family. Um, but there's also the thing of, well, I also want to scale the business. And so I think it's like one of those things where you kind of, you kind of have to take your hands and like weigh one or the other, like which one's more, uh, uh, not say more important, obviously family's super important, right? I, I don't want to discount that, but I, I think it's one of those things like, how do you integrate the two together instead of just trying to turn one off and one on? Yeah. And that's, that's the thing is right now for the last six months that I've been doing this, I've taken kind of the Preston model, which is the lifestyle model, right? Like I still hustle. And, and honestly, if you averaged out my hours over the last six months building this, I would say that I'm anywhere between 70 and 80 hours a week. Like I work a lot, but at the same time, I'm taking breaks in the middle of the day to go bounce on the trampoline with my kids. And that's invaluable to me, right? Like before before everything shut down and school shut down, I was able to take my kids to school fairly regularly. And that was time that was so precious to me because I didn't have that when I had the day job, right? And so being able to ebb and flow and just work in life or kind of one, uh, there's, there's something there that really resonates with me. The biggest thing that I have is I start to recognize that when I am on my computer sitting next to my wife and she has Netflix on or she's reading a book and I'm doing emails or I'm doing some design work or editing a video or this or that and, and our together time from the hours that the kids go to bed until midnight, one in the morning, whenever we go to bed, those several hours, I have a computer on my lap. And, and those are hours that, yes, you need to hustle and you need to push and you need to do all this. And that's one argument that I have, right? And the other argument is like, man, am I that husband that like my wife, our relationship is now her with a book and me <laughs> with a, a, a laptop, right? Like, it, yeah. and is that what I want, right? And I recognize that some days it has to be that way. I'm hoping in the next months to years that I can scale Oh, scale to the point where I don't have to have the laptop on my lap during those nighttime hours as much. And that I can, I can have a little bit more personal time 
whether it's with my wife or whether I'm going to exercise or this or that, right? Whatever I want to do during those hours where the kids go to bed and between when I go to bed. That totally makes sense. Like I'm, I'm there with you. Like, so to me, I just want to be clear, like integrating the two together does not, in my mind does not mean you're both like sitting next to each other, uh, doing your own little thing with your laptop. Like, that's not what I mean. Uh, (laughs) like, you know, I, I'm a very big advocate for, um, cause I'm married too. And, and I making very specific time with your, your spouse or your partner. Um, but making it like, that is what you're doing at that point, right? You're, you're spending time with each other. Um, but like, so like what I mean is when, when I say integrate the two is like, if your, your spouse decides to, uh, you know, talk on the phone with their, you know, their sibling and you know, it's going to take, you know, they'll be on the phone for a bit, right? <laughs> like taking advantage of that time, uh, and, and just getting your laptop out and doing something really quick, right. That, you know, needs That's to be smart. done. Yeah. So instead of just like, Hey, I'm going to, uh, while, while, while my wife's on the phone, I'm going to just going to scroll on social media, you know, instead of doing that, like, okay, how do I, how do I take advantage of the time? which I like that. That actually reminds me of uh, Jocko Willink. I don't know if you guys know who he is, but he's, he's, he's big on self-discipline, right? And he's a former SEAL team guy and he led a bunch of teams and he's got a bunch of books out right now. Anyways, you can Google him. The dude's a boss, right? But I just read a page in one of his books that talks about uh, putting martial law on your mind. And his whole thing is that we can, we can get to the point where we control our minds so well that everything is deliberate and everything is based off of discipline. And that's what I think you just described, Clay, is, look, my wife's going to be on the phone with her sister for X amount of time. I mean, I just know this because I've been there, right? So I'm going to grab that laptop and I'm going to take advantage of that time. And I, I, I think that that's smart. That resonates with me. And I think that's an area where I need to be more disciplined and I can definitely draw from your conclusion there. I think what's interesting is you can be disciplined in all the areas of your life, right? Like you can actually put your phone and your computer down if you know that from whatever five, like at, like at our house, dinner's at five, five thirty, and then it's kind of no work until basically until I go to bed, obviously there are some days that, that you have to integrate it or whatever, but, but you can be as disciplined on both sides of it. And I think that's what creates this sort of elusive work-life balance. I'm with you, Clay. It's more about integrating than like work time, lifetime, work time, lifetime. Instead, it's like finding the little moments in work when you can appreciate the other parts of life and finding the little moments in life where you can, where you can move forward in your work. I'd love to um, chat also about sort of this aha moment, Bobby, that I know you had because what we haven't shared with the listeners is that you and I are our personal friends. So I know a little bit more of your backstory, but I know you had this kind of aha moment where you went from like side hustler and you, you, you got laid off and you decided to take your business full time. Um, and there was this, there was a, there was a very significant change that I noticed as your friend um, between sort of how you were running your side business versus how you now run your full-time business. So after this quick break from our sponsors, I'd love to hear your take on, on why you think there was such a significant change, what caused that, and, and maybe some lessons learned. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try Hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane effective home workout. That's because Hydro pairs the effectiveness of rowing with the power of technology to connect you with over 5,000 video trainings, classes, and workouts. And get ready to get out from behind your home desk because after a few months of daily rowing with Hydro, your partner's going to want to take you out for a night on the town to show you off. This spring, join the growing rowing community at Hydro. Head over to hydro.com and use code FREELANCE to save up to $400 off 
off your hydro. That's H-Y-D-R-O-W.com and promo code freelance to save $400. Hydro.com, promo code freelance, or just click the link in our show description. Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant, or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. As you may know already, LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion professionals, which makes it the best place to hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. And LinkedIn Jobs makes the process of finding the perfect teammate easy and intuitive. Hiring is always easy when you have access to so many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours when using LinkedIn Jobs. I've used it myself, and it was so simple. In fact, I've made multiple hires using LinkedIn Jobs, and did I mention, by the way, it's free to business owners like me and you. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash freelance. That's linkedin.com slash freelance to post your job for free or click the link in our show description. Terms and conditions apply. All right, Bobby. So, so enlighten us a little bit on on this big aha moment that you had when you got you got laid off from your last job that you had, and you decided, okay, it's finally time to take my business full time. Yeah. So, I appreciate you bringing this up. This was a big aha moment for me, and thankfully, I had had people like you, Preston, and a few other people that I've been following their journeys to kind of learn from. Uh, and ultimately, what happened with me is. I've always been that guy who is going to build an audience, right? And then eventually, once I have that audience, I'm going to monetize that audience somehow, some way, in some form, right? I've done this on Facebook. I've done it on Instagram. I've done it in all these different places, but I never did it for myself. And I never owned 100% of that. But there were a lot of good, good learnings there. And this is super common, right? An audience first business where it's like you build a blog or you build an Instagram account and then and then dot, dot, dot revenue, right? And so many people just sort of start with an audience first approach and, and don't even have any clue how they're going to make money. Yes, exactly. And interestingly enough, I was always doing those things on the side, right? And so I would tinker with the monetization on there. Like I ran several Instagram accounts and some of them had over 100,000 followers. So I was doing campaigns with brands, but I was mainly doing work for trade and I wasn't actually getting big money like I could have once again, I just always had that mentality of eventually, as soon as I get to a million followers, as soon as I get to X number, right? That's when the money's going to come. Well, no, there's a, there's a way to think about this differently. And what I saw other people doing was figuring out strategies that are a quicker path to monetization. And that's where I was not thinking clearly. I was always eventually going to monetize rather than figuring out how do I monetize now? And ultimately, what affords you the opportunity to quit your job or to not go find a job when you're laid off, in my instance, is the ability to monetize short term. And that's where I decided, look, I have all of these skill sets and I've been in marketing for eight plus years at, at this moment. I've done all these things in my career. And over those eight years, I've had multiple side hustles that I tinkered with or built audiences with, right? So now I'm at this optimal point where I feel like I can take these skill sets and I feel like I can be a one-man agency. And that's ultimately what I did. I remember the day I came home, I presented a plan to my wife because she's the type that needs like full-blown business plan, right? And I had right. three categories. I said, honey, here's short-term, here is mid-term, and here is long-term. First six months, this is what I plan to do, full agency mode. I'm going to take as many clients as I can get. I'm going to service them. I'm going to have to outsource some stuff, but I'm going to push myself to the max to pay our bills. During that time, I'm going to take those learnings and I'm going to start to build a midterm strategy, which for me is what Clay touched on, which is those courses that I'm about to launch because that's a little bit more passive income for me. Had to do the work up front, but once it's launched, it's not fully on autopilot, but it's, it's not me working one-on-one -on -one with clients. It's a one-to-many model. And that's what's going to transition me into that mid-tier game. This, like, this sounds like, <laughs> I feel like you just described my life. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. Well, I'm glad I struck a chord. 
And that's why that's why I wanted to get you two together because uh, you've had very similar experiences. Like, uh, you know, if you go back, listeners, and listen to Clay's most recent interview that I did with him uh, at the beginning of sort of this new format, you can hear how he's how he was taking kind of any job he could find when he first started freelancing. Then he ended up uh, scaling up the business by building in systems and hiring people, and and ultimately sold sold the agency for a, a nice exit. I love chatting with the both of you because it does feel like Bobby is maybe halfway through the complete journey that, that you've had, Clay, and obviously your story's not over yet either, but I, I think there's some cool learnings that, that maybe you both can share, particularly with me as well, uh, as I continue to grow my business. What, I, what I'd like to do actually is talk a little bit about that, the, the, what we do with every guest, which is we ask you where you're at currently on the freelance to founder scale, and Bobby, you told us you you put yourself at a seven. So you're actually a little bit further along in this process than some of the guests we've had on the show. And then we ask in six to 12 months, where would you like to be? You put a 10. So in six to 12 months, you want to be full on like running a, a systematized revenue machine agency that is working for you instead of you working all the hours for every dollar that you make. Um, so after the quick break here, and we're going to talk about maybe one of the biggest hurdles that you're facing uh, as you try to get to that 10 on the freelance to founder scale. And I think Clay's going to have some killer advice on, on some of the questions that we've, we've prepared ahead of time. So we'll be right back with that. Okay, cool. So Bobby, you told us that you are a seven currently on the freelancer to founder scale and that you want to be a 10 in the next six, 12 months. It's going to take a lot to get to a 10, I think, but I think you're, you're in a good position for it. Uh, tell us quickly, like, give us the 30-second version of why you're a 7 on the scale. Why do you put yourself above halfway on that freelancer to founder scale? So the reason I put myself at a 7 is because I am not considering myself, while I just defined myself previously as a one-man agency, I'm outsourcing so much at this point and I'm already thinking time is money and I want more, I want to use my time for what's best. And so I'm working with a lot of contractors. I mean, in, in the past three months alone, I guess four months now that it's April in 2020 alone, I've worked with over 20 contractors. These are people I'm going to have to send 1099s to, right? That's the type of thing that used to freak me out. And I, I finally transitioned from a DBA, a doing business as sole proprietorship to an LLC. And I'm starting to think more along the lines of, I want to grow this business and I want to actually have full-time employees at some point. And that's why I put myself at a seven is because my first step to full-time employees is working with these contractors and figuring out that relationship. And then as we continue to figure that out, I'm hoping I can identify those areas where a full-time employee might make sense. Awesome. And I, and I know you told us that some of the hurdles that you're facing in that process is, is figuring out how to hire the right contractors, who to hire, when to hire them, how much to pay them, how to manage all the systems that I think what a lot of freelancers don't realize is your job, we've talked about this on the show before, Clay, is like your job goes from creating to like managing and building systems and and running a business really yeah so it sounds to me you're you are uh bobby you're you're on the very similar path that i was um so you correct me if i'm wrong on any of this so you were doing a lot of the work and then now you are uh you're in a role where you're more of like biz biz dev um you're selling it you're managing contractors you're just managing the projects um and then you you uh but you're still the client facing contact yes right? i am still the client facing yeah so i can tell you uh so i dabbled at the beginning uh with contractors there i there's no there's nothing wrong with doing contractors versus having full-time w2 employees um there are pros and cons to both and i will tell you to to scale i think my opinion i think you're gonna have to go ahead and bite the bullet and do a, a full-time W-2. Um, and the reason I say this is because when you get up to that point where you're spending your time managing so many contractors, the issue is, is that they're contractors, right? So they kind of do their own thing. 
Um, it's hard to, the biggest thing for me is that it's hard to keep everybody on point as far as brand, right? Cause you want to, as your brand, you want to be very consistent on the deliverables and how you do things as far as process. I think it's more difficult to do that with contractors because that's not something that you can control with a contractor. And then the other thing too, is just cost. I bet if you sat there and do the math, it costs you more per project to hire a contractor versus if you have a W2 employee that you're paying a salary, uh, uh, assuming that you have all enough business coming in. Okay. This is where it's like, okay, now you have to shift your role as to, to sales. So as long as you are keeping the pipeline filled with projects, you're paying way less uh, per project. If you have a full-time salary employee, I bet you, if you do the math, that's true uh, versus a contractor. See, and that's, that's where I've, I've got to, I need to actually do the math because admittedly I haven't done the math, right? Because I've been viewing this as, project by project basis. For example, I, I contracted with somebody for a project that was in the 12 to 15 grand range, right? It was going to take eight weeks. So I, I hired a bunch of writers to help me out with that project. But I also knew that uh, that wasn't going to be consistent work. That was kind of a one-off project, right? So that wasn't maybe the right opportunity for me to hire a full-time person. But you, uh, there's a lot of wisdom in what you just said, Clay. And I think that that's probably my next hurdle is figuring out one, the math, doing the math, but then two saying, okay, how can I utilize this person consistently rather than hiring contractors for one-off projects? Yeah. So I want to chime in. I want to chime in here because I, I actually run my business sort of a hybrid of the two. And, and that is, um, I, our team at Milo is completely contractor based. Like I'm, I'm full time on it. And then we have a few contractors and the team is incredible. We get a lot done, but I pay them sort of more like a salary. They have a fixed uh, rate that I pay them every month. And then we're kind of a results. We're as close as you can get to a results only work environment, right? If you've heard of that, which is like, we all know what we need to get done. And I don't care how many hours everyone works. Um, if you can find more efficient ways to get it done. I think those are some of the benefits of a salaried employee. It's like they're there anyway. They'd rather get stuff done sooner. They can go home earlier or whatever. Uh, and and so there's, I think there's, there's a lot of benefits to hiring people, but there's a lot of benefits to also having contractors. It keeps your business's legal entity a little more simple, but I'm, I'm learning a little from each of you. And if my team is listening, you have no reason to get worried, obviously, but I'm learning a little bit from you guys because you know, I spent almost $40,000 last year on contractors. And so I'm thinking like, man, if I had, you know, that's, that's a whole employee, you know, that's, or, or it's close to a whole employee, you know, maybe you pay an employee 40 or 50 grand a year. What could we knock out if I had a full-time employee working with me hand in hand on all the stuff that we're working on? What kind of impact could we have? So it's definitely an interesting thought exercise for me. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting because your business is not, um, is it, it's not client yeah, project. No, no, we don't have, yeah, it's not service based and we're, and it's not a project yeah. by project. It's kind of an ongoing ever, ever growing sort of thing. Yeah. So that, I, th I think that's, it, that's where it differs a little bit. Um, but I do like the fact that you pay your guys flat monthly fee because, and this is, this is, uh, I, I think if you can get away with it with contractors, you, first of all, you'll, I think you'll have a hard time trying to find contractors that will do client projects on a flat monthly fee. Um, but if you can find a way to do flat monthly fee um, and pay them, that's, that's the beauty of salary too, is because you know exactly how much you're paying every single month. Uh, so it's no easier surprises. to plan. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's easier yeah. to plan. I actually, uh, dis I actually disagree. I've had no trouble finding, <laughs> you know, we've scaled the business up and down in terms of people, the number of people that work on the team. We've landed at, at just a few, just a handful of us, but at any given time, I've had eight or 10 people on the team. I don't have any trouble finding it and here, finding people that are, are willing to work for a flat fee. And I think here's why. Um, freelancers by nature battle this feast famine cycle, right? It's, it's so common, it's cliche at this point. And, and so many freelancers hate that they also, just like I hate not knowing what, what, to, what to predict for next month in my expenses, 
they hate not knowing what they can predict in, in revenue and income. That's true. And so if we can pair both of those pain points together and say, I'm willing to give you a flat fee so you can count on that every month. And um, then I can budget and they can budget and we can just work together. And, and also it like saves so much time on tracking time and reporting your time and like all of the little details that come along with that. It's so easy. My contractors send me an invoice once a month for an amount that we've agreed upon. And every few months I say, hey, why don't you add another 50 or 100 bucks to your yeah. invoice this month or something? And that's sort of our form of a raise or whatever. But um, it, I don't know. I really, really like the process so far in, in, in that flat fee with contractors. I think it depends, Bobby, if, if you want these people to be communicating with your clients. That's for I, sure a huge issue. That I think. I think is going to be the difference. I would never have a contractor communicate with my clients. Um, so th I, that was with my, like with my agency, I could not handle the volume, uh, as far as me being the only person to communicate. Uh, so I had to hire people where, okay, I need you to not only do the work, but I need you to be the client. Like once they're a client, I need you to communicate with the client. And so I was, I was involved as far as like, I sold it. Um, I was involved in overall top level 30,000 foot view strategy. But the day-to-day -day stuff, my employees handle the communication with the client. So I think that that's a question that you need to ask yourself too. Yeah. And that's, as of right now, no contractors have had any communication with clients. In fact, I, I think a lot of my clients probably, I'll say things to my clients like, oh yeah, my team or this or that, or, uh, oh, my partner or, you know, this or that. But a lot of them I think are still under the impression that I'm doing hundred percent of this work, which would just be impossible yeah. at this point. Right. And, yeah. and so that's, but, but you're right. I've even thought about certain contractors that I have higher trust with. Like, for example, I have a sibling who does a ton of my design work and he, he's an awesome designer. And I've actually thought about, you know, I can't, I can't lure him over yet and pay him a salary, but I've thought about, you know, paying the $6 a month to get him an email address that's his name at Macy Media, right? So that he can start communicating with some clients on the stuff yeah. that he's working with. Um, and I would feel more comfortable taking that leap because he's my sibling. Whereas I don't know with, with your average 1099 employee or if I would feel comfortable letting that, that contractor do some of the client facing stuff. But you're right. I'm, yeah as my business grows, I'm going to face that problem because right now I am the middleman and I need to Tim Ferriss myself and get out of there. <laughs> you know, you know, an idea that you could do is, um, one, one idea is if you wanted to keep the contractor route, as far as them doing the project work, um, you could hire a W2 employee as a project manager. Yes. To a handle, which is a great idea. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that way they can handle and manager, manage the contractors. You could spend your time doing a strategy maybe and selling the projects. That's, that's, a very, that's a very good route, I think. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm getting out the pen and paper here, guys. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is the good stuff. Well, like, so for example, when Clay, the first hire you made, wasn't someone to design websites. It wasn't someone, it wasn't a developer it wasn't anyone that's sort of what you would deem a creative on the agency team. It was actually the first hire was in sales. Yep. That's true. That's true. Cause I, I was, uh, my, my role when I first started was I was doing all the projects. And so when I hired my first person, I was like, okay, I'm doing all the projects. I need somebody who can do the other part, which is sales. Bobby, you're incredibly good at the selling. So like maybe you hold on to that and maybe you, you hire first for project management or, uh, you know, um, contractor management, or you mentioned bookkeeping is a bit of a headache. Maybe you hire someone to do some bookkeeping and manage all of the payments that go out to your contractors and all of that. There are lots of things that you can hire out besides the actual creative work that can really, really bolster up your business. I wonder if we can transition now, Bobby, and, and talk about anything else that Anything in regards to, uh, to these hurdles you're facing in managing teams? I know maybe we want to touch on, I don't know, systems or processes. I know Clay probably has some, something to share on that. Um, I might have a few ideas on systems and processes as well, but I know that can be a lot to handle, not just when to hire or who to hire, but once you've hired them, how do you manage a growing team? It sounds like you've 
I mean, it sounds like you fit the mold for a growing team. So what sort of struggles are you facing in terms of systems and processes in your business? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think the biggest pain point that I have right now is calculating the time I think it's going to take to get someone all of the project files and to bring them up to speed on the project versus me doing it myself. I'm struggling with that whole idea of, should I just do this myself? Because then I don't have the pain point of having to bring somebody up to speed, right? And, and I've found so far the smaller projects where maybe I could do it in under a day's work, I've tended to keep it to myself. But some of the bigger projects, I know that I just, I just got to take the hit, even if it's two hours on the phone, Zoom call, whatever, bringing them up to speed, that's going to be better long-term, right? And so that's where I'm at is, is really finding, especially with the smaller projects, finding that balance of outsourcing and delegating compared to just doing it myself. There's, there's this book called The Cashflow Quadrant, and it's by the guy who wrote those Rich Dad, Poor Dad books. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of it is uh, fluff, but there's some really, there's some really interesting points in in this quadrant that he talks about moving from employee to self-employed to entrepreneur to investor. And, um, and he says the self-employed professional believes that only he can do the work as well as he does it and that he has to be involved in everything that happens um, and that it's easier to just do it than to, than to teach someone how to do it. But the entrepreneur, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like we all go through that, right? Where it's like, ah, oh, I'll just do it. It's easier than trying to bring someone up to speed or trying to teach them how I do it. But he says the entrepreneur hires people who are better at those tasks than he or she is and, um, and, and lets them just do their thing. And so if you hire someone who you don't have to teach, you find a contractor you don't have to teach and you say, here's what I'm looking for. Uh, then they can just use their talents that they already have to to accomplish the the task instead of having to learn your process, which can sometimes be cumbersome. So I think there's a lot of value in in processes. For, like my business would die without processes. You have to have them. But there's also a lot of value in finding the right talent, the right people, the right team that already have the ability to do a lot without you having to coach them through every little piece. Yeah. So uh, what you're describing is a business killer. <laughs> so what I mean by that is people ha- that there's tons of people, you're not alone. Um, there's so many solo entrepreneurs who are in this situation and they cannot get past this and it, it will kill their business. And it has, um, and I was in this, I was in this situation. The, the thing that you just got to get past is you just have to, you have to trust you have to trust someone to be able to do this. And I will tell you, one, one thing that will surprise you is you will be surprised at the quality that someone could do for you because I promise you, they, someone, you'll, you'll come across someone who will do a much better job than you could ever do. 100%. And I, yeah, and I've come across that. I don't know how many times that has happened to me where it's like I'm thinking, no way. I, I know how to do this. this is, I know exactly how to do it. I'm just going to do it. And then, and then I all of a sudden say, uh, you know what? I, I'll trust you with this. this and then I'll, I'll explain the vision, whatever. And then the product that they come up with is like, how did you come up with this? Like, <laughs> I would not in my mind had come up with this creatively. You just have to trust to delegate. Because if you're going to try to do everything yourself, you're going to become your own bottleneck. Straight up. And it's like I flirt with this and I go back and forth Mm -hmm. really, right? Because sometimes I'm good at outsourcing things and other times I suck at outsourcing things. And so it's the stuff right on the, on the border of like, Oh, I could probably figure that out that we always think like, I'll just figure it out because you know, by, by nature, like freelancers or, or small companies tend to be sort of bootstrapper style people. Like we like to save a bit of money. We like to take some shortcuts and try to, we, we don't have like endless budgets like these big corporations might have, right? And so 
yeah, I do that all the time. And then, and then I think, man, I could have hopped on Fiverr and for 25 bucks, someone could have done that. And meanwhile, by the way, I could have been selling a $2,000 package doing something else. And, and, uh, and I, and I would have not only saved all the time and the headache and just like, cause there's also something about work that you don't enjoy doing that much. Um, just outsourcing that to someone else. And in the meantime, doing what you're really good at and what really brings in the money. You know, you know, something, uh, something to try. Uh, and this is, this was a turning point for me. I, I took, I did an entire work week and I recorded in every 15 minute increment what I did in that. Oh, that's horrifying. Minutes. It is. It is. It is why it opening and it's disturbing the time, the things I spend my time on. Right. But I, and when I say every 15 minutes, I mean for the full 24 hours. Right. So for seven full days and do it for a whole week. Now, so do this, okay? And then look at what you're spending time on <laughs> and think, uh, <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is interesting because you can see the time spots during the day where you're like, okay, uh, like for example, me, I'm, I'm completely worthless between 3 and 5 p.m. Uh, like I've interestingly found that I was like scrolling on social media, which is complete waste of time. Uh, like just doing nothing. And so I figured out that I'm actually going to do all my, like my workout during three to 5 PM. So that way it's productive for me. Um, and so, th- so that's one, one activity I did. The other thing I did was every single task that I need on my to-do list that needs to be done. There's always two questions that I ask myself. One is the first question is what are the consequences if I don't do this? Because if it's the consequences aren't that bad, I just don't do it straight up. I just don't do it. Uh, the second thing is, okay, if, if the consequences are bad um, and, and it needs to be done, the second question is, does this task actually require me physically, me to do this? So that's where you go, okay, I'm going to go find someone else that can do this easily, easily, right? So like one of the things... Um, uh, a lot of people don't know this and I don't mind putting this out there is I don't manage my email. Isn't that funny? Someone else manages my email. And so what this person does, she filters th- things out. She responds to the things that she knows how to respond to. And if there's something that requires me to actually do and respond that actually requires my response, she puts it in a folder. It says for clay. Yeah, we do that. We do the same thing with a lot of the emails that we have set up in the business too. It's like, I, you know, I can't, if I spent all day answering, reading and answering email, uh, I, I would spend all day, all day, every day. Oh, for sure. It's a time suck. Yeah. It, I think uh, that's a horrifying exercise, Clay. One that I probably need to do if, if for no other reason than oh, it's for terrible. The, the fear that I feel <laughs> about the whole idea. Uh, definitely sounds worthwhile. Yeah, no, that when you said that, I'm I'm like I document a lot of my life and uh I'm sitting here thinking to myself, man, what Clay just described probably would be horrifying to me because then I would recognize the moments <laughs> like I already catch myself. Half of my business comes from leads on social media, so I'm on there all the time throughout the day, but I find myself taking these 15 minute detours. Right. And, and all of a sudden you're in a rabbit hole and you're like, how did I even get here? And then you're like, Oh yeah, I came here to do X. And I catch myself doing that all the time. But if I documented that and wrote it down, like you described every 15 minutes, Oh man, I'm, I'm almost a little bit scared of what I would find. Right. (laughs) Oh, it's scary. And, And if you know, if you know, just from hearing the idea of doing that, if you already know you're terrified, you already know you're wasting probably <laughs> half of your time. Yeah. Straight it's interesting up. though how this comes full circle because it's that, it's that integrating business with life idea that we talked about at the beginning of the episode yeah. where it's like, just because, you know what? Like if every so often in that 15 minute record, it shows that, you know, you're playing checkers with your son or whatever that it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's just something you need to be aware of. Right. And so, yeah, but, but then there will absolutely be things like scrolling through Facebook or scrolling through Instagram that don't help your family life and um, personal life don't help your Mm -hmm. health. And they also don't help your work. And those kind of things you can say, what can I be doing instead to either improve my personal life, my lifestyle, or to improve my business? I think, um, I think that's some fantastic 
homework. Bobby, we're in the habit of sending homework home with each of our guests. I like it. So we will, we will let Clay drop that fireball there. And also Clay challenged me, invited me to take on that same. So we're going to have to have a go. talk off the air about whether you're allowed to, you know, make <laughs> me do homework when we're done with these shows. But I appreciate the, the, uh, the challenge. It's, like I say, terrifying. I'm, I'm on the fence, but uh, I think it could be really, really good. Clay's idea is like the business version of you looking at your family finances and you're the person who hates a budget, but like, <laughs> you know, you have to document all of your expenses for a month and yes. you're like, oh, I'm like, I'm scared to death, right? That's, I feel like that's what just happened with me, but <laughs> yeah, I'm going well, to accept the challenge, Clay. <laughs> Well, I have I have a secondary challenge actually. Oh, great! There's more. Yeah. <laughs> I have a secondary. Sorry, this is not for you, Preston. So good news. Oh, for you. thank goodness. Oh, I think yeah. I'm having connection issues. Yeah. <laughs> go back and watch the replay. <laughs> go go back and watch the podcast. Uh, so secondary challenge is know the know the math of your business. Know all of your numbers because you will not know what you cannot. There's no way you can know what you need to do without knowing the numbers. So I would go back. And just know like all your profitability numbers and know all your ratios. Um, if you, are you working, do you have a CPA right now? So I have a CPA technically. Yes. I actually hired a bookkeeper. Oh, good. And, okay. Good. So I nice. was going to say nice. that has been awesome for me Yeah. because yeah. that yeah. person opened my eyes to things that I didn't even know I was doing wrong. Yeah. Yep. I had that same yeah. experience. That's good because like, that's one thing I tell people all the time is the, the number one thing I've ever spent money on my business. And it's not the sexiest thing at all um, is a good CPA uh, who will help you with all those financial numbers. Uh, because if you don't know all those numbers and a bookkeeper is good too. Um, but it's like, like, for example, I knew for every uh, $20,000 of new revenue, I needed to hire somebody like I knew those, that was a number that I needed to know. Right. Um, and, Absolutely. or like, for example, uh, another ratio is you need to be making $3 in revenue for every $1 in payroll. Right. So like, those are the numbers that you, you need to know, um, before you do anything. So I would do the math. Okay. Moving forward. I'm going to be a lot more aware of what you just described, Clay, which is knowing the numbers of the business rather than me loosely basing the business off the, the, once again, the family finance rule. Uh, spend less than you make. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's how a lot of freelancers survive month to month, right? It's like, well, this month I made five grand. So as long as I don't spend more than that, I, I'm quote unquote in business. But if you want to actually scale your business to be bigger than just yourself and a month to month variable paycheck, then yeah, you have to look at those numbers and see what it'll take to actually get there. So that's, that's a great uh, challenge. Bobby, we'd love to follow up with you in a few months and see how some of those uh, invitations from Clay are going. Would that be all right? Oh, please, please. I expect Good. to see a full calendar of 15 minute increments <laughs> with something next to it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Well, thank you so much, Bobby. Thanks for joining us today, Clay. Thanks as always. I, pre I appreciate it, you guys. Super fun. Hey, thanks for the opportunity, guys. Great advice and I appreciate you both. Hey, take care. See you, Bobby. See you guys. Freelance the Founder is a production of Milo. You can discover more business building resources for freelancers at millo.co. And you can learn more about Clay's business and level up your entrepreneurial skills by visiting getdripify.com. Freelance the Founder is distributed by The Podglomerate. You can check out their other great podcast at thepodglomerate.com. And the theme music was produced by Joaquim Carud. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. We'd love to have you join us on an upcoming episode. To learn more, visit freelancetofounder.com. That's all for this week's episode. Until next time, keep up the hard work and we'll see you soon. See ya.